0: Welcome to the After The Set Podcast, where we dive deep into the transformative moments of an entrepreneur's journey, unearthing the stories behind their biggest challenges. From their hurdles to their high-rises, discover the untold stories that led to their success. From before the rise till after the set. Today's guest, we have Marie Tarosian, CPA from The Profit Lab. Yay! (laughs) How are you? I'm great, Marie. How's it going with your
1: line of work? Excellent. Excellent. The year-end is coming. There's a lot of work to be done.
0: And your line of work, hell yeah, right. And then you start in January from uh, when is it till April, where you got all these. Like, so a
1: lot of things happen in the CPA world. So for tax reasons, you know, April, you know, everybody knows April for individual tax returns. It starts around somewhere in the mid January and all the way through. Uh, for financial auditors, it could be all throughout the year. It depends when the uh, certain. Businesses may have calendar year versus fiscal year and when their audits are finishing. So
0: they could be hit with so many deadlines. So is that what you do personally? Is that like your whole thing? Tax returns? Or do you have like some specific niche that you work on with your CPA?
1: So in my firm, in the CPA firm, uh, what we focus on is mostly uh, consulting. So bookkeeping, accounting, financial statements, preparation and analysis, cash flow management. Um, uh, Let's see, CFO, outsource CFO work. Um, and then, of course, I have a tax colleague that helps us with all of our tax clients. So we do all the tax preparation and tax planning as well.
0: Okay. Oh, so you talk about cash flow, and I love this concept of cash flow, and I love hearing about cash flow, being that we're both Grant Cardone like 10x business coaches. I have a. What is cash flow? Can you define cash flow for me?
1: Absolutely. So, in very simple accounting terms, so cash flow is basically money coming in and money going out. So, in any business, or in, even if you're a household being a business right you also always want your cash flow coming in to be more than your cash flow going out so that's how you become more profitable so in most businesses one of the biggest problems they have it could be that they're not billing on time or they're not collecting art right so they're paying on time so there could be all these different pieces of the puzzle that is just throwing them off and if no one's really focusing and managing them that they could actually run out of cash and they wouldn't know how to pay their bills. So that's not a good position to be in. Um, I always recommend business owners to build out 18 months um, uh, cash flow. Their analysis is to have 18 months of runway, basically so they can take care of things in case things go wrong, like COVID. Well, what's the most important thing of
0: accumulating cash flow? Like how do you get started really like accumulating your cash flow? And
1: all this comes down to your profitability. So it's, a, it's an analysis that we would l- look at. So your revenues, how are they growing? Uh, what are the key, let's say, um, products or services that are more profitable than others? If you need a specific allocation, let's say, uh, certain costs allocated to certain revenues uh, or how employees are generating revenues, there's so much different analysis to take a look at to make sure that your business is profitable and your prof- profitability, the higher it is, let's say 20%, 30%, which is, you know, kind of rough to get that. But if you're able to get there, then you, over time, that's how you start accumulating. Um, one of the, the problems that I see is that people that grow their business fast, their first time business owners, but they happen to hit their first million, they go out and spend it all instead of keeping it in the company and keeping those cash reserves. And then when something goes wrong, let's say in one, one case, the client of mine, um, uh, he had some default on one of the vendors, and so he had to go find other vendors to fulfill certain work that he had already promised. And there was a lot of cash crunch there for him, and he had already taken a lot of money out of that out of the business, so using it personally. So those are a lot of different areas. That it's one thing to build cash flow reserves in the business and how it gets taxed, whether it's it's staying in the business or the business owner is taking it out. So there's a lot of different key pieces that go together.
0: Are business owners allowed to take it out that way, or? Is there like some kind of law that prevents
1: them? It from becomes, you? Yeah, they can take it out. It becomes a distribution to them and they get taxed on it. But again, it's about how, how much knowledge they have in their business and who they're working with. Because if they're working with me, I'm going to tell them not to take it out, keep it in the business.
0: Well, from your experiences alone, how often does that happen where a business owner knows how to control their cash flow? Not that Very often. No. I figured, because going by statistics, what do they say that two thirds of businesses fail within the first five years?
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And seventy-five percent failed within the first ten years. So that's why it's it's if they're not knowledgeable on the finance side of things, and they don't have to know everything. What they need to do is actually work with an accountant, a CPA or a CFO, or more than anything that can help guide them and sit down and talk about the finances with them, and that makes a big difference. They need to understand the financials and be able to be making decisions based on the financials, not just randomly. So
0: that's where we work on. Well, because personally with me, like uh, I failed plenty of businesses and the whole thing that I thought I knew, I did not know is finances. So you always go into like like a business thinking that you're gonna make so much money and you're not even like thinking about anything else, just the money that you're making. You're not Mm -hmm. thinking of how much that money can you actually spend? And I've never (laughs) actually thought about it. And I've never actually thought of hiring a CPA or like a CFO. To take care of that because I thought I already knew that. So
1: Mm -hmm. that's how I ended up failing. Yeah. So how do you feel about that when you don't know enough about the finances, but you also don't think about hiring a professional to help you? Well, the whole thing too. On top of that is
0: the only time you think of hiring a professional at well, according to my own opinion and my own um, experience, I would say is when you're in desperate need of one. Because at the same time, like I was diving myself deep and deep into the hole. And it just yeah, kept yeah. digging in deep and deep. And I kept thinking I could take myself out of this. I just need more cash. I just need more cash. But that's not the answer. And I realized that wasn't the answer. So when it came time to it, I had to call the CPA. I yep. finally realized at the bottom end where that I was in dire need. I was losing my business. I needed to call someone to actually who knew what they were doing. And that's what humbled me. That was my yep. humble is that, <laughs> hey, I failed, huh. And I had to come to the realization that I failed in order for me to grow my business. And I didn't end up growing that business. I ended up failing. But at least I was able to come out with some kind of humility.
1: Well, you know what it is? is we all fail at something. And mm-hmm. failure failure is only one way to grow. Mm-hmm. So that way, when you start your second business, the third business, you just do it better. Um, at, at this time, at this juncture of my, let's say, my businesses, I'm very focused to, to work with business owners that have failed. You know why? Because they actually know when they work with me what they're really getting. It's very hard to work with someone that hasn't failed, that hasn't gone through cash flow issues. They haven't really figured out their finances. Finally, they learned after failing two, three times. And now when they work with me, they're like, they know exactly what I'm helping them. And they're like, oh my gosh, I needed this like back when, (laughs) you know. So that's why it makes it a big difference when you're working with Not just a CPA that knows a lot of tax areas. From my end, end, I know I did financial audits. So basically I would go into a corporation and then look to make sure that their financials are accurate. They have certain policies that are going to be covering them from risk, um, from employee possibility, like employees doing anything bad, internal controls. So there's so many areas to get into when you get into a bigger corporation. But when they're like very, very small, they haven't gotten into those issues and problems to know what to expect and they wouldn't realize what they really need until they fall and then fail. But that's how you learn sometimes.
0: <laughs> you have to fail sometimes, right? In order to, or fail forward, as we call it. Yes. So let's get into your journey, into what sparked your entrepreneurial journey. Like what was the catalyst before the rise phase for you?
1: Yeah. Um, so I tried my hand at entrepreneurship a couple of times. Um It goes back to uh, 2016 when the first time I realized as a controller and an acting CFO of a corporation, I had nowhere else to grow. Um, The CEO above me, you know, really great guy, but you just, there was not enough of a mentorship there. I wasn't learning anything new and I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, get paid properly. You know, it wasn't, I mean, my salary was a cap. There was not much more I can ask. And it got very difficult. So I was like, I really want to start something new. Outsourced CFO was a, a cool new idea at the time. Um, and I left, but I took the company with me as a, you know, side gig. And then I tried to look for clients. And that was probably my first failure where I couldn't get clients. I just didn't know where to look for them. I got super scared and I went back full time <laughs> to the same company, but I became a CFO this time. And uh Three months in and I realized still the same things, the same issues stayed, cultural problems, very negative atmosphere in the business, the like ceiling. And I was like, No, I made the wrong decision. I should have tried to figure out what I'm gonna do. And and at the same time I got pregnant with my second child it was my daughter, a gorgeous little girl. And I decided you know, I spoke with my husband and then we decided, you know, I'm just gonna try to figure out something to work from home so I can hang out a little bit more with my kids as they were, one is very small, the other one was four years old. So that was really the reason I needed the financial and time freedom, which is what we talk about a lot in the 10X community as well, as you know, freedom of being able to do what you need to do when you want to do it. And one of the hard things that I felt uh, the last time I was an employee was Um, We had a conference the same day that my son was going to be graduating from kindergarten. Kindergarten was, oh no, pre-K, pre-K. And I was being put in a position to make a choice between the two. And my husband's like, you know the right choice, make the right choice. And that pressure was not a good pressure. That was not a good thing putting an employee through. Um, And. That was a key indicator for me. I was like, yeah, no, this was not the right thing to do to come back. So 2018, I was able to get a, a, a client uh, that I worked through for six months. It was a consulting thing. And then I got another client. Again, they were kind of coming to me uh, somehow. Um, and uh, I realized you know what, in 2019, I made more financially than ever working for somebody else. So the potential is there. I just need to figure out how to wrap this. <laughs> I just don't know how to get clients still. And then, of course, COVID hit. And uh, instead, everything that I had saved, you know, from the 2019 success, I invested working with a couple of people and then finally, you know, finding grants. And then that was, and then it's history. Everything else from there, it's been all about the 10X community and everything that I've learned there and implemented in my businesses. And started a second business because of that. So one thing that I
0: caught my um, attention, the first time you said you uh, had left your job and you got into the workforce by yourself and you wanted to like create your own business, you said you got scared.
1: What scared and you? I just really didn't know how to find clients. Like I was running out of money. <laughs> I had used all of my savings and I, couldn't, I just didn't know how to find new clients. So I was very limited. I didn't know how to do marketing. I didn't know how to do sales. I didn't know how to... Close a deal, like I just didn't know. I knew how to do my professional work. That is what I knew.
0: And That is what you were taught to do. So you went back into your uh, previous job with a better time,
1: I guess. It was still (laughs) a little
0: bit more money. Well, you retreated back into your comfort zone at that point. You realize comfort zone isn't what you wanted to be at. No. the second time around, what changed between that and the first time around where you were more scared? Now you're more confident the second time around. That's why you were able to get clients. What changed? What yeah. led to that?
1: That's a great question because I wouldn't say I was 100% confident in, in being able to get clients because I was confident in what I could provide as a service, the quality, the clarity, all of that. What I What I felt that it was like, you know what? I do not want to be in that like looking back I was like it's impossible I just cannot stay there so I'm fully committed to either I'm going to win or I'm going to survive and I'm going to create this business I'm going to give it my all or I'm going to crash and burn I don't know it's going to it's a big a big risk but I'm just committed to winning and success so whatever it takes and and I think that was the big you know, a uh, game changer. The other day, I was reading a, an article for Think Outside the Tax Box. It's for accountants, actually, but I talk about marketing there. And one of the things I was talking about is referrals. did not even think about it. And I remember 2018. This gentleman uh, who was hiring me for the consulting work, he asked me, and I was mm-hmm. like, I "Don't even think about it." I'm like, I, I, "Other than my resume and my employer, I, I don't have a testimonial. I don't know. I don't have referrals." Like. I've worked for a corporation most of my life. So that was a hard place to start with when you don't even know how to, you know, give a, a reference other than your employer and you have left your employer already. So it was a weird place to be. Um, but I had like one side client, which they're still, by the way, with me since twenty early 2018. That's nice. um, then I told them, hey, I had a side client for the last year I think they'll be more than happy to talk to you and they did and that's how I got that client so it was just like from there I just start building out the clients you know and say hey talk to this client talk to that client and eventually building that uh, confidence slowly of saying you know what I, I know my work now my clients value my work and You just keep going from there. So
0: that's how you grappled with imposter syndrome, I would say. Or did you experience that imposter syndrome? Like you felt like you didn't belong here? I
1: experienced, I I would say, yeah, it took me a little bit of time to completely feel that confidence. I I think the 10X community has given me so much more confidence in how to explain what I do. Um, But yeah, it took me about a, a couple of years until I felt more comfortable. And that's why, you know, like testimonials, referrals are very important because they just validate the work you're doing not only to your clients, but also your prospective clients. So
0: super important. Right. Now let's go back to COVID-19. Uh, were there any specific setbacks or failures that you found particularly challenging while navigating through that whole aspect of starting a business and then dealing with the COVID-19 mm-hmm. pandemic? I know it was
1: like, uh, I did have a few clients that continued with me. I had a, a, maybe two or three clients that continued working with me. Um, I would say my whole focus in 2020 was learning, investing in myself. Um, I spent $10,000 with two different marketing trainers that just taught me technical stuff, which was not really what I needed, but I didn't know until I got in there and I was like, all right, whatever. And then I invested another, I think a thousand at the time, a thousand to get into Cardone University. And in twenty twenty one, I continued investing in myself. I have fifteen thousand to be a platinum accelerator. Um and went in to learn. It was like for me, I was going to college again to get a marketing and sales degree. That's how I saw it. And then everything that I learned, I would come back and implement because I'm te- I'm a very I'm a person that loves implementing things. It's not just like I just go and learn and listen and be like, hoo Uh I just <laughs> I just come back, open the page, just my page, implement. And and that's the big difference in succeeding. I think it's one thing to go and learn something, and it's another thing to come in and implement. Um, so that's one of the things that I feel the success that brought c- came after is the fact that first you gotta invest in yourself and the things that you know you don't know, and then how you're gonna implement it, whether it's you or someone that you're gonna hire and tell them this is what I need you to do. So it's, it's, it's important to invest in yourself. I
0: think that's the most thing. And that's, like I think, the best thing that we actually learned from Grant Cardone. Yep. The most important thing is to invest in yourself. Now, you did mention Cardone University, and most yeah. of my listeners were probably from Cardone. Uh, some of them aren't. I got Digital Marketer here, too. So my question is, um, how did you go about learning about Cardone University?
1: And Yeah, that's a good one. October 2020, Facebook is blasted with Car- Grant Cardone everywhere. But that wasn't the first time I had heard the name Grant Cardone. I had heard it from LinkedIn. Interesting, which I really LinkedIn is a very difficult platform to work with. But LinkedIn, I was seeing a lot of, uh, the woman I was following was following uh, Elena Cardone. And, and I started following Elena Cardone. And then I saw Grant. And then in Facebook, then I started getting bombarded with Grant's Facebook, uh, you know, uh, ads. And he was inviting uh people to a free webinar for the wealth creation formula that was a game changer for me i was like how can i be how do i have a master's degree in accounting and i am a cpa and i don't know these seven <laughs> different wealth creation streams <laughs> so that was like a game changer for me i like wait a minute this man understands things that i don't and he's done things i haven't and He's the man who's gonna teach me how to get there.
0: So I would naturally ask you what mentors or influential figures uh, guided you, but I already know it's Frank Cardone. Totally, and totally. You've been, you've been in the 10X ecosystem ever since. Yep. And you've been dealing uh our... so another question I would have is out of those three years, how have you advanced, how well have you advanced from being just like first understanding what the wealth creation formula is to implementing that wealth
1: creation formula in your business? I love that question. So one of the things I learned from the wealth creation, and it was like how to create the different revenue streams. So even if it wasn't something I could do right away, because you do have to build out these different streams. Mm -hmm. um, First, I, I, I looked into my CPA business and I was like, what are the key revenue streams there? Do I have one? Do I have two? Do I have three? So within there, I started building out multiple Services that you know. And then I also created another one where I'm going to be launching soon, which, which is my CFO advisory services, which I created an IP. I registered the methodology, the way I work, and how I use a lot of the corporate accounting and auditor background and how I work. I created an IP on that, and which is something that I'll be not only using as a service, but also licensing it out in the coming years. Um, so that was another revenue stream for me. I'm like, this is, I'm creating the passive kind of revenues. Um, the third one is I started the coaching business with the Profit Lab. And that's the area where I focus a lot of different areas. Let's say the group coaching, uh, one-on-one coaching, creating events. So it's, again, building up different revenues. So you're not stuck in one place and just, you know. And then from there, of course, investing in Cardone Capital and going from there. So just building out slowly. It's not like you can't do it in one year, but you do have to start thinking about how am I expanding my revenue streams? So I'm not just doing this one thing and one thing alone. So you're actually taking that
0: opportunity and expanding on it. You're not just trying to get rich quick. You're trying Mm -hmm. to get rich or get wealthy, I would say, because rich is another thing. Get that wealth generated by generating multiple streams of income, which is what wealth creation formula is all about, right? Multiplying that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, what is coming in, and then what is getting saved, and then invested, and then coming in a different way. So, if I have, there are some people that have told me, well, you know, in the last three four years, it's a you know, I may have not financially grown like in multiples, right? Because I'm reinvesting everything right back in, and then studying more and implementing more. But the other day, I was like. So inventory of all my products and services 50 different products and services between the two businesses that can match with anybody's budget so I have something going from zero dollars to seventy five thousand dollars wow. so I have all my products and services and as you know it always says move the client between the products so if I have one product or once one service I'm stuck and if I can't work with that person I'm stuck But if I have multiple products and services, I can give them two, three options to pick from based on their budget and they can work with that. So no one's often, I I will work with them (laughs) one way or the other.
0: Do you often find that they actually go from one product to the other or is it they just stick to one
1: product? They will move up the product, especially on the accounting side. A lot of people come in with just bookkeeping and tax. Then we move them to tax planning because they actually need it. If If their business is starting to grow, we will recommend, and we would recommend, let's say you do X, Y, Z. Um, we will offer, let's say now I'm offering business coaching to my current accounting client. So it's about providing different services to help them grow. So
0: how has your initial vision for your business actually evolved since the time you opened it in 2000 yes. until now? Yeah, I, I
1: always talk about um, we start our businesses because we want to replace our job. Mm. That's exactly how I started just like anybody else. I started because I just wanted to have a decent income so I can stay with my family, with my kids and be able to run out and do something and come back and have that flexibility. And right now there's a whole different area of where I want to go. Maybe at the time I was just thinking, yeah, let's make a few hundred thousand so that I can just pay the bills and have some financial freedom. Now it's not that. Now it's more about where can I be in 10 years how many people are going with me there and who I need to have on my team so we can get there faster. (laughs) That's how I think. So very different. Very different. I could see that. I mean, I know we're doing, we're in the midst of, um, the other day we we were having uh, our team meeting, which is something it took me a while to implement the daily team meetings. Mm. Not that I didn't want to, it's just like, some of my team members are just 1099, right? Like, but I want to build them into be the the people that go with me, that big, big vision where we're going. So having that team meeting, like the way Grant does it every morning, it's very important. So I said, guys, you know, let's set a date and let's start building this up. Let's start putting together the, <clears throat> the statistics we're going to actually track every day. You know, I have a, a marketing staff person now. Like he's been with me. He started as an intern. He's been with me over a year now. And he will probably be with me until he graduates. And so, okay, so I said, let's think about areas that you usually work on. Let's say how many emails we're sending, how it's open rate, all of that stuff. How many YouTube followers, whatever. That's his area. For my accounting, uh, bookkeeping people, I'm like, okay, how many clients do we have? How many clients do we onboard? board? Um, how many financial closes are we sending out? You know, how many more people? <laughs> These are stats. And then the rest of the stats, which is a lot of like speaking engagements, sales, prospecting. That's on me. Those are a lot of it. my stats. So that's something we started talking about. And then, so while we're doing this, I realized my marketing intern is now a staff person. has been there about a year or something. One of my bookkeepers has been around for three years. And a new person that we added, she's been around six six months. I'm like, you know, I think it's time to kind of bring the team up, up front and promote them. And so we're working on some for our own. So I want them to be uh, at the forefront of who we are as a business. So it's all about hiring the right people to go there with me. And that's going to help me get there.
0: Do you find it hard at all to hire the right people? Or did you have a formula in place that you could hire the right people with the right plan? I
1: would say um, because I used to oversee about 25, 30 people at at the, uh, the corporation I was in there was a specific culture i was trying to implement it was very hard that was one of the other reasons i could not stay there anymore i'm like i have a vision of who my team looks like um so i wanted to i've always wanted to have people with me and i've always been able to showcase the vision right but when i first started i didn't have a vision i was just trying to replace my job so when i hired my first uh, bookkeeper uh that's I actually got sick and I couldn't deliver work. Luckily, my client was very understanding. He had had been working with me for a while. So that's the reason I onboarded her. And I tell you this because so sometimes it's a situation that makes you feel like, well, I need a team. Mm -hmm. And that's how it reminded me. Well, it's about time I hire someone to even help me with the basics. Um, But I've always been good with communicating my vision and right up front. And if they want to be part of it, they need to help. And I'm comfortable giving instruction and criticism. And that comes from my corporate experience. So I've never had an issue doing that. And I think most people have, do have a problem with that. Now, I, I know that at some point I'll be growing to a point where I need to do a little bit more work and probably work with Brandon Dawson at that point, but uh, to to kind of like build a little bit more of a stronger model and systems uh, on how to hire people, but for now, I usually show them the vision and why I want them with me. And I give them all the incentives they need to be with me to go there.
0: And your team has stayed with you throughout this whole transition?
1: Mm hmm.
0: So you don't find it difficult for them to stay with you as long as you're giving them their... Yeah. I
1: keep them, I, I definitely keep them busy. I keep them um, trained. I, you know, for all of our accounting work, all my accounting team has a a training module for each and every client on what we're doing for them. So if, if we have that one says, Hey, you know, I want to do my own thing or I want to continue a different path. We have our training module. So whoever gets onboarded always has training. So these are stuff that I bring with me already because I was in corporate. So it's not something new I'm doing. It's, I know it's important. Um, it's easy for them, but no one has really left except one person. I believe and that's because she wants to do audit. So she was with me about, I think, 10 months. And then she's like, no, I really want to go into auditing. And I don't do auditing anymore. So that was just that. But, you know, a lot of the people that work with me stay connected with me even after they leave. Even from corporate times, I'm still in touch with people that are to different places. And they're still in touch with me.
0: That's great. I know a lot of my clients, and I'll tell you probably people listening in here, Jimmy, they always tend to think that there's uh, no good people out there. And I always get this, that uh, I can't find good people. They all suck. I can't do it. I'm the only one that can do my job. Is that true in any way? No,
1: absolutely not. I think we all need to be very realistic about what we're good at and what we should be delegating. We Again, it's the communication piece where they hire people, don't trade them, and just be like, well, they're not doing good, but it's part of your job to train I know when I was in corporate and I had to hire an accounting staff member, they don't know our books the way I do it. So I would explain to them, I would sit with them and train them on it so that they know how we we're doing it. And then I could set the expectation saying, okay, this is your area now that we're working. you're I need this to be ready by such and such date. So the financials are closed by this date because we got to report it to the board by this date. There's timelines, there's expectations. So these are stuff that I've always had to do anyway in corporate but there's always good people they just they just need to be aligned with the with you um and i've had i've hired people that were not the right fit there are people that will say whatever to get a job and then just you know sit there and do nothing i've had those but i've learned from those mistakes that i made back in corporate so now it's more like very very
0: safe for what i'm looking for so you mentioned during the interview they always nail it are there any red flag that you look for in an interview to actually get to know that the person is just red flagged or the right
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm mostly looking for people that are looking for opportunities so that they're trainable that their attitude is of giving they have good manners mm-hmm. they're loyal so there's a those are the soft skills that I'm looking for. As you can tell, I'm not looking for someone who knows it all. I'm looking for someone who can actually work with me, give me ideas. But at the same time, if we're doing something together, like I can rely on them. One of my one of my really top uh, takeaways is that if they have any veteran any veterans that you could hire, they're one of the best to work with because they take criticism pretty well. <laughs> When they say they're going to do something, it is done. You do not have to question it again or follow up after them. They are very good at leading themselves and a team. So it's very easy for them to get trained and then be able to take over right away. So that's something I will look at. If they have veterans, any, any background in the military, I would love to work with them.
0: So they help accelerate your growth pretty much. Say that again? They would help accelerate your growth. Exactly. Exactly. They quickly, they do it, and you don't have to tell them twice. They could build a right. team by themselves. So that helps accelerate your growth. Absolutely, absolutely. So how do you handle critical or contrarian feedback? Like if someone goes against you, someone goes against your beliefs, how do you handle that?
1: It's like, what are we talking about in the, in the sense of belief? It's like, uh, you know, our core values are right on our website and it's something that they need to be connected with. So my beliefs are... Ethical standards are number one. So if they are not ethical, like if they can't act ethically, especially that we're in the accounting side, I mean, I, I, they, they have no place in my business anywhere around me, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we want to build uh, you know relationship with our clients. We are trying to become partners with them for the rest of their lives. We It's not a short-term kind of like, let's just sell something. It's more like we're trying to build a relationship so a lot of the people that are working with me, I'd like them to have those types of skills that they're able to build a relationship with the clients because I can't be the only one talking to the clients for the rest of it. If we if we grow to a 10, $20 million company, I can't be a one-on-one with every client all the time. So they have to have these skills. Um, loyalty is really important to me. So again, that's also part of our core, core values, not only for clients to see, but also our team members. So if they, are, they have that loyalty, and as you can see, most of them have been with me a like, very long time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that shows me that they want to grow here, they want to stay here, they are loyal to the same beliefs that we have. So those are key things that I'm going to you know, compare them to and, or hold them against. So in what ways has uh, those
0: core values changed over time or have they remained the same since the beginning?
1: The same so far, we, we you know, we've been. You know, I consider us being around for the last what is it like almost five years? Mm. Um, and some one of the businesses just only been around like a, a year and a half, so it hasn't been a long time. Um, but uh, it hasn't changed much, it's still been the same. But I can see how when your corporation grows and there's more and more different team members, certain things might change. But so far, it's remained the same. So, you
0: also mentioned before you're a business coach. Did that uh was that always on the top of your mind when you first started with uh Grand Cardone or with your business or did that just gradually come into play? That's actually
1: a great story because um so when I when I went to my first GrowthCon, I had I didn't know anybody. So from October twenty twenty I entered the Ten X community and GrowthCon was I think March of that year. And I hadn't been obviously to any any event for like, I don't know, a year and a half. I haven't gone to anything. And I show up at GrowthCon. and I remember the 10x community. I was like asking people who's going, whatever, you know, I want to connect. And I remember one guy <laughs> connected with me. And so I met him at that time. And he was one of the first licensees. And he tried to tell me about it. And I just didn't understand the concept because I was just too new to the 10x community. Um, and uh I decided just to go to the, uh, the accelerator model and I did that. But once I finished all of those already, I was starting to see how much I love the material and training is something I like to do. I like training my own staff or like accounting stuff. Like I can see how I can take this and become a business coach, uh, expand from doing just CPA advisory to becoming a business coach. Um, and that's when I uh, got the, the licensing, March of 20, and I became certified elite coach by September 20. How's that going? It's good. It's good. It's very interesting. So I get a few clients that I can coach for a grant, and then I have my own coaching clients. It's good. It's been very exciting. So A lot of learning on the go because it's the program is still being built out, but it's been pretty good. So
0: would you say you, uh, you're gravitating more towards the business coach side, or do you still want to do your... Uh- CPA.
1: That's a great question. I think the business coaching is definitely an area that I want to focus you know, long term. Mm. Uh, CFO work is something that I'm building out so I can hand it off. Um, that's one of the reasons why I created the, the methodology so I can license it out and, ha- and train others to use it so that I don't have to get into the CFO numbers every time. I want to separate myself because like I said, if we're going to build wealth down the road, I can't be in the business doing everything myself. So that's the the general uh, idea of where I want to go. If that answers your questions, Of
0: course it does. (laughs) I also have another question. How has, in what ways that shaped you as a person beyond that realm of business?
1: You mean the the coaching? Yeah, as
0: yourself, as a person, how has your mindset like evolved? From the time you started to create your own business till now. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, The way it has changed me is it has given me brand new skills. Um, I've always been great with talking to people. And that's one of the things most people would tell me as an accountant. They'd be like, oh, you don't sound like a typical accountant. (laughs) And that was one of my hashtags for a while, not your typical accountant. There's an accountant (laughs) side. So I think what they meant is that I had a lot of great people skills. I, I'm very good with people and they've, their usual experiences that they have. They've talked to maybe a very technical accountant that is very much into what they know, but they don't have those soft skills. Like calculator. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I've only had the soft skills. So what, what coaching helped me was to really be able to tune in the skill set to the point of, how you listen more than you speak. Really narrow down like what they're saying, and always follow up with the right questions to actually be able to help them find the solution. What most people don't understand, be, be, like coaching versus consulting. As a consultant, let's say you're hiring me as a CFO. I'm going to come in. I have my systems. I will look at what's wrong, I'll get it all fixed for you, and I'll be like, "Okay, I'm done. This is fixed. Here you go." Right? This is how most it goes. My CFO, no, we will stick around to help you out. But that's usually the consultant doing go in, fix it, and go out. Yeah. Business coaching, it's first of all, it's relationship building, which is I'm, I'm very good at it. So like, hey, I'm good at it already people person. Yeah, Check, I'm good at it. So what I had to, that's all the I had to work on, and learn is more listening, asking the right questions, being able to teach them the way they want to learn. That was a new thing for me. I'm like, man, I didn't know that. So one of the assessments that we, we, we do as um, uh, licensees, as you know, like we have the uh, learning assessment and all of us get to learn, you know, either by like visually, by listening or by feeling and we have different percentages, right? So there, that assessment helps me understand what, how that person learns. So if the person is more visual, I would probably write up more stuff where if we're doing a Zoom meeting, I will share my screen and I start putting things on there for them to see. If they're more auditory, then I'm going to be able to say, you know, things like, you know, can you hear me? Uh, did you understand? Like it's stuff that they would have to be more like hearing. Even if, if it's a, a text message, instead of sending a text, I'll send them a voice note because they like to hear things, not to see things. So I'm, I'm very keen on doing these things, we make sure that their experience is excellent. So these are things that I had to learn on the road to becoming business coach, which are very different than just doing a CPA advisory services where I can go in and just talk about accounting and try to get them fixed certain things.
0: So that's interesting. So CPA is just straightforward CPA. You just talk about your accounting and whatever they need to do.
1: Whatever challenge they have. And I just answer, here's what we got to do. Here's what you could do. And just give them instructions on what to do.
0: And your business coaching is you're teaching them, you're guiding them along the path. You're not doing it for them, but you're guiding them. Exactly. Have you found that
1: difficult to do? Or is it more
0: comes naturally?
1: It seems to come naturally. But there's still certain things that you would be learning because every person is different. So one of the learnings as as we grow as business coaches is by working with different types of people. Yeah.
0: Is there a certain method that comes to your coaching,
1: or? Well, I'm using Grant's system. Basically, we use the same assessments, the same style of coaching. Um, anything marketing and sales related, I use Grant's materials. And anything operations and finance, I go with my, you know, my my experience.
0: So you combine a little bit of Grant Cardone with a little bit of your own.
1: Yeah. So based on the assessment, where is wherever you have the most need at that point, and whatever they want to work on in the next 90 days you know the system is that you would have to set up a 90 day goal plan um and they would pick on let's say four items that they want to work on and then create the strategies and the tasks for that for those specific goals you know the systematized way of approach is the way grant would do it uh it's completely 10x then issues obviously i have to bring in my knowledge because that's the area where let's say if they say well my accounting is meant My books are wrong. Well, okay, so I'm going to have to guide them from my own knowledge and say, okay, let's start setting up. Okay, we're going to do this by such and such time. We're going to do this. You're going to hire this person or whatever it is. It's guiding through them, but at least they have someone that understands uh, not only just marketing and sales, but also their operational and financial needs. For one client, I only, so far it's been mostly operational. We've been working on how to get his operations more efficient. It's 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 a company that that um, uh, builds buildings, so I think construction. <laughs> they a lot of people, a lot of different you know buildings and projects and permitting and all that stuff. And so it's like it's more about let tell you what you're doing, and let's create more mm-hmm. the more efficiency in there. It's like as a leader, you're looking at I don't know 150 emails a day. Do you really want to spend your time doing that?
0: So it's all operational. It's interesting. Uh, operations does play a big part in things, right? Because uh, I think a lot of people don't understand the operations matter, and I think a lot of people try doing things on the fly, and that's why I think most of them fail. Yep,
1: exactly, okay. exactly. So a lot of sometimes it's more about managing their time in the calendar. Sometimes it's more like they have an assistant, but they're not maximizing the use of that assistant. Um, for example, in this gentleman's case. He needs to be talking more with investors and getting new investment money. He should not be sitting there checking emails and, you know, responding to emails that are not related to the investors, for example. Um, or, for example, he needs to prepare financials or some kind of a pro forma for investors to get money. And he needs his, his accountant or bookkeeper or whatever to provide these financials in a timely manner. So so his time needs to be going in the right places, not trying to do it himself every time. So those are areas that we'll work on.
0: I can't tell you how many people I know that do that. And how many small business owners just want to do everything alone because either they want to be in control of it all or in their mind, nobody does it better than
1: that. Yeah, yeah. It's a sad place to be though, very sad place because it limits limits their growth.
0: But I don't think people see it that way, and that's why like it comes to like a business coach like yourself to actually like showcase that value behind not having to do it all
1: because yeah, people- yeah they can control They can control the outcome. They just need to control through how they set the expectations for the people, what they need to do, show them how to do it, give them critical you know uh, critical feedback, have them learn. I mean, you can't just give somebody something to do and be expected to be perfect the first time. You got to teach them, you got to train them and help them do a better job. And that's where people don't have the patience, but you have to do it. As a leader, you have to build that patience and the discipline of teaching and passing the baton in a way. And then just say, okay, we need this whatever every three months, it needs to be available to me to send it to the investor by and such date. If you have any issues, communicate. That's on the leader to say all these things and set the, the pace. Otherwise, you know, you can't expect everybody to know it all just because you know it, right? <laughs> so you build prestige based off
0: of that. Yeah, policies and
1: procedures.
0: So, okay. So as you think of the future of your business, like what excites you the most about it?
1: Oh, the potential. The potential of what it could become. <laughs> everything. Perfectly, which I know it won't. I'm sure things will fall on me that are going to distract and try to push me in a different direction. But um, the potential is what I focus on, and that's something Grant always says too. Don't focus on just right here, right now. Focus on the potential and then the impact it could have. One of the reasons I became a licensee was to really completely change the CPA industry and how CPAs handle their clients and their own firms and their own sales processes and marketing. That was one of the, the key missions for me to become a licensee because I wanted to make a big impact in the CPA community. So it's about the potential of what
0: it could make. So do you have any goals or milestones that you're particularly focused on when it comes to changing that whole CPA industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of them are short-term, some of them are financial, some of them are long-term. Um, for example, my, my biggest focus is to... Uh, have more opportunities to speak at CPA conferences to be able to bring grants material um, at my chapter level at the Florida Institute of CPAs. At the chapter level, I've already brought in so many different of the webinars that I do over there. So, grants materials are becoming be cr- credited. So, um, but now I want to go into the bigger conferences, uh, which bring a lot more attention to what we're trying to do as a mission, my mission of changing the industry and bringing materials that nobody else is talking about. So, yeah, I'm looking for more conferences in CPA world that I could go and speak at and bring grants material.
0: Any particular way you're planning on doing that? or
1: Either introductions, if certain people know certain people, you know what I mean? Um, I already have certain contexts that I've built uh, through uh, my connections, let's say, uh, being part of the FICPA, for example, I'm already a member, uh, I was a <clears throat> chapter chair, chapter uh, secretary. like So I've I had positions there, um, talking to the right people, following up, following up, following up. You know how
0: important
1: to follow up is. Um, yes. Yeah. And, um, and some people, for example, I have a connection in Houston, Texas uh, chapter uh, that I'm from a different uh, women's leadership group. And she's speaking at the American Institute of CPAs. And I was like, my friend, can you get me in touch with the right person and let them know how, what I could teach? Because already, I already taught at her events, uh, you know, a lot of 10X stuff. So she knows what I could teach. And and that's what I'm doing. I'm just asking people to make the right introduction. So it's all about introduction, not referral. Yes. So in- yeah. With the people who have had experience with me talking, and teaching this type of material. Great. Mm-hmm. So, for entrepreneurs
0: listening to this podcast, what piece of advice would you offer them?
1: Make mm-hmm. sure your, your goals are set and it's long term. You know, what are your short term, long term goals? Because um, it does make a big difference, right? Um, if you if you are thinking always short term, and if you don't reach it, you might get um, uh, disappointed, and you don't want to be in that place. So, have your short term, long term. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I see that they want to accomplish so many massive things in 90 days, like really think realistically what you can do in 90 days versus three years, five years. Um, the second thing I would say that make sure your marketing strategy works uh, and don't be scared to change it if you need to, but you know really have a proper plan. When I started doing marketing it was just very random until I got to learn from Grant. And of course, your financials make sure your books and accounting are done properly or at least forecasting three years out what your plan is three to five years financial forecast
0: you also mentioned 90 day game plan like uh how much can change in 90 days why 90 days 90
1: days is short enough for people to commit to that short-term goal and make it tie to the long-term goal um but it's also and it's both ways right it's short enough for them to put a little pressure but also limit to what they're working on because one of the things that happens is people get distracted to doing so many things and as you know they see us offer that offer uh on different platforms right and they get distracted with the uh called the object syndrome so by having people having people down and set the goal and don't get distracted. This is what you said you would do. You are committing to yourself. You're giving your word. You're commit to doing this for your plan. So don't get distracted. Put it aside. Because I know a lot of times I would say yes to things because I just it sounded interesting and I wouldn't want I just wanted to know, and my time would go out the door. Oh yeah. So now there's none of that. It's I don't have time. People want to sell me a bunch of stuff. No, no, it doesn't go with the plan. It doesn't take me where I need to go right now. It's just going to distract me and add more time to things that I don't need to work on. So if I have 90-day plan and I have four specific goals I want to reach to tie into the main plan, then I know exactly who worked, what to work on. If I do get delayed or something, let's say something personal could happen, you can get sick, whatever, I just need to come back. This is the plan. This is what I need to come back to and focus on. So that's why. That's a
0: great way to look at it. Like it it totally puts you and holds you accountable for those 90 days. So you could turn those 90 days into three and five year plans.
1: Right. Break it down. Start with the three and break it down. Okay. This, this 90 days, the following 90 days, the following, because you can't do everything in the, the first, I don't know. It does take five years to build a proper business. Think about it. And then, that's where the breaking point is going to happen three to five years. And then if you don't have all these things done in a structured way without a business coach, it is going to fail. It's going to break. So these plans are very good. And if you have a coach, of course, like you and me, then we can hold them accountable and make sure that they are doing what they say that we're going to do. Love it.
0: <laughs> we're coming up on the hour. I just want to say uh, thank you, Marie, for being on the show. It's been a Absolutely. And, uh... it's- where can we go to find out more about you? The best place
1: is to go to my website, theprofitlab.biz. And lot have information there. They can submit a contact info. And if they want to reach out, we just, you know, once they submit the contact info, we can reach out to them from there. I've
0: heard Marie Tarossian from the Profit Lab on the After The Set podcast.